I'm going to give the microphone to the one and only Dwight Smith. All right, let me tell you. If there's a drive in the left field and Mark Grace is camped under it, damn, Harry, you must be drunk real early. God bless you. Well, we're going to do the anthem. And first of all, Jerome and I would like to thank you all for having us here. And let's go have a blast. And um, when we come into town, we like that shit to be a lot different than anything else. So that's why anybody come here and did the anthem. So we're going we're gonna to do a little something, something. How about that? Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streaming and the rock is red glare, the bombs bursting in the air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star spangle banner yet wave or the land of the free? And the home of the brave. That's for you, Sue. We gotta do. All right, we're gonna do some shots now. <laughs> we're Cubs fans helping Cubs fans at Stewart's Cubs Cave Party. Before we officially start, I would like to tell you guys this. I said it once before, but I'll say it again. Thank you for coming out tonight. Appreciate it very much. Um, see, what you got here is a man cave, which is probably you know the coolest man cave ever. But what you don't know is we use this for charity. And since 2014, we've raised $300,000 money actually donated to charity. Cub fans helping Cub fans. We think Cub fans are the best Cub fans in the whole wide world. So I never really planned on, like, using this for charity, but it evolved into it. You know, where's my guy, Nick? Nick, right there. He was our first beneficiary uh, when Tom Ricketts came out in 2013. And uh, I'm really proud that we raised $300,000. And I'm really happy that you guys came out to be a part of it. So uh, it means a lot to the world to me. So, Johnny, Club 400 Radio is live! Oh, I'm sorry. All right. So thank you guys for coming tonight. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We've got two of the greatest Cub players from 1989, Jerome Walton and Dwight Smith. I'll tell you what, man, in uh, 1989, I was probably about, what, 16 years old, 
And after the devastating loss in 1984, you guys were a breath of fresh air. And it was you guys that took us to the pennant, man. And uh, that's why it means the world to me that you guys came out here tonight. Let's talk about, let, let's, let's first talk to Jerome right here. Jerome, I mean, rookie of the year. You had the, you, you're the guy that set the table. And, you know, I mean, what you did was amazing. A 30 30 hits in a row, a 30-game hit streak. Let's talk about how you broke into the, with the Cubs and what it meant to you to have such a wonderful year. Uh, when I first got in the Cubs, our organization was uh, 86. And uh, got a chance to meet. This is the first guy I think I met when I first got there. And, you know, just continued to work hard. And uh, had a great group of guys that pushed everybody, you know, pushed each other. And once I got to the big leagues, I left him behind. I felt kind of bad, you know. <laughs> but after a month, he was up there with me. So we kind of pushed each other, you know. We was roommates. And uh, we was always talking about winning rookie of the year or whatever. And I said, well, Smith, it look like I'm going to be one. You're going to be two. So, you know, so we kind of <laughs> fell in love with each other and said, hey, we got to do this. So that's what we did. And rookie of the year, I mean, that's something no one can ever take away from you. I mean, just a magnificent season. Um, I remember back in 89, uh, it was, uh, everything clicked. And I remember Don Zimmer, man, he was just, he seemed like he pulled the right, you know, lever on every move he could possibly make, if you recall. Like, he, he was a magic man. Uh, tell me about uh, your first big league manager, Don Zimmer. When I first got to the big leagues and big league camp, and uh, I, I I didn't know what to expect of him, and uh, we was he would do some crazy stuff like we would hit and run with two outs right. at a man at second. I'm like, man, what's going on? But uh, Dunn was great for us, you know, for the young guys. You know, he stuck by us, he pushed us, you know. And uh, I remember one time I went in, uh, I wasn't playing. I said, Zim, why I'm not playing? He said, because I'm the manager. I said, oh, okay. So I left it alone. But Don Zimmer was great, man. Uh, I had much respect for Don. And, you know, uh, he was my first big league manager. And he was just great for our team. So we've got the rookie of the year. And then we have the second place rookie of the year. That's amazing. Two guys from one team. I mean... It, and it could, you know, could go either way. That's just absolutely amazing. So tell us about your start with the Cubs. Hello. <laughs> hey, we, I'm having a blast. This is the best time I had ever at a signing. By the way, Dwight offered me $2 million for the, the man cave. That's right. And I said you could take my wife with it. And, 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 and I'm sending a check oh on Monday. And that's on tape. But, but you know... Like what? I, like I want to say, me and Jerome, um, we flew together today. We we get a chance to to go back and reminisce a little bit about what we did together. And you can't—that's priceless. We forever link. I don't hear this motherfucker name without mine. And and, and you know, if you notice all the pins, I wrote runner up because he 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 didn't speak good English when he came up. So I was his interpreter, Smeezy. You gonna be one, I'm gonna be one, you gonna be two. I say, wait a minute now, the, the jury's still out. So like he said, we was roommates. I mean, it was the greatest experience 
of our careers as young men. We were, back then, you know, now the guys are spoiled. They got their own room. But we were roommates when we come up. So the reporters was calling us going down the stretch, and we went in a pennant, man, in 89. They didn't see that coming. And, 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 and he, they would call me and go, Dwight, who would be the rookie of the year? And I go, me. He sit right next door to me. You know, was, back then you only got two beds and a TV. So they call right back and go, Jerome Walton, who going to win? Well, I tell you what, Shmeezy ain't good as me. But, you know, the, the fun part is, is is that we get a chance to go around the world together. We, uh, Like I said, I won a World Series with the Atlanta Braves, but ain't no damn body better that I played with than the Chicago Cubs. And, and, and y'all exemplifying that by tonight. Look what Stu is doing for y'all. I don't know how many people came in here, but it's my time to give him his credit. He's given you a situation where he take ball players out of the ballpark, bring them in a fucking neighborhood, and y'all get to see us in a natural thing. And, and that's what's priceless. That's what's priceless. You ain't got to pay $250 for a fucking ticket and go down there. Because if, if I'm over 20, I'm an I'm a asshole. See, if I'm in here, you getting to see me like in a good, a good line. I told this young lady, I told her the, 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 the bar, um, the, the wife of the bartender. Sarah, that, yeah, Sarah. Sarah. I told her tonight, I said, um, th this is priceless. You getting to see what you can't bring to nobody else to bring us right here. We ain't 0 for 20. We ain't gave up six home runs. <laughs> We having fun, and we getting to enjoy what you guys get to see every day. I saw the games on, and that, and, and that is priceless. And um, me and me and my little brother, like I said, I don't have many brothers. This is my little brother here. And let me tell you the funny thing. Shit, we live about 10 miles away from each other in Atlanta. We see each other more, more car shows than anywhere. Because I can't be around them every day telling everybody I'm going to fucking run up. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, and let me tell you, he, he, he's my baby, man. You know, my car, my car, my car broke down. I got to tell you all this story. My car broke down, and he gave me the BMW. And you know what's on the fucking tag? Rookie of the Year 1989. I go, fuck this shit. I went and got a rental car. Fuck this. I'm not driving his car. And, 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 and he gonna tell you that every show he go in. But the good thing is, is we bought you guys a World Series. And then before I let the mic go on, I remember me and Greg Maddox when we came back in 96. And we both had World Series ring from the Braves after 95. And, and I wanted nothing more to win a World Series with the Cubs. I was so damn jealous. But they brought me back to the Cub convention after we won it. And that was priceless. But... Man, I'm telling you, when we come back and, and, and come back and get to see you guys win, that, that, that was priceless. And don't ever stop loving what you got, because that is priceless. Thanks for having us. And Dwight, I was watching the, uh, you know, I, I love baseball. I'm, I mean, I'll watch any game. I saw your son is playing for the Baltimore Orioles, Dwight Smith Jr., huh? Yeah. Tell us what that means to you as a, as, as a father. I mean, it's, it's prices because I don't do fishing. I don't do shit. He was too young to drink cognac. 
So we didn't have a relationship other than baseball lessons. And, 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 and his mama always had two pillows and a, and a, and a comforter. Because when I got in his ass, she sent me downstairs in the basement. And it wasn't this good. But I'd be like, you fucking hard shit. You ain't hitting shit. And i go, I just grab my stuff and go downstairs. See, that's my son. You know, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm, I'm very grateful. He made it. I talked to him about it. He was talking. He was coaching at um, Westlake High School. He respected him. He go out. The the people that came up with Dave Justice, Marquis Grissom, Klesko, Jerome Walt, they made a bigger impact in Dwight than I did because I was just daddy. You had to get off the internet. You had to get your homework. So I was the you know I was the bad guy. But these guys would tell him how good he could be, and they would reiterate what I said. And and that and that made all the difference in the world. And 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 he's with Baltimore Orioles now. He's with Toronto Blue Jays. He got a hitting streak in every game so far this year. So if all y'all pray for Dwight Smith Jr., we gonna win. Okay. We gotta get Dwight Smith Jr. out here to party with us, man. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> So, Jerome, let's go back to that, you know, the magical season, which was 1989. Now, you guys weren't, like we talked about earlier, you guys weren't expected to do anything. And, like, obviously, you know, good teams evolve. And it seemed like you guys just had the right people on the team, the right, you know, the, the right concoction for to do this. Tell us about that season and how it went. And, uh, you know, when, when did you guys realize, I think, that you guys are actually really contenders? Hey, in the back, zip it, okay? I think what uh, in '89, the game that really turned around. I think we was we was playing uh, Philadelphia, and uh, I think we was down by maybe six or seven runs, and then we came back to win that game. So I think that's what really turned our season around, and we said, "Man, we can win." So after that, I think we just kicked it in, and you know, we started winning games and started playing well, and. Uh, and from that point on, this guy here, myself, Andre, you know, the whole guy, I mean, we just all jailed together. It was just a, a big family in there. And we kicked it in after that Philadelphia game. That was turned our season around. Yeah, yeah. Right. that game, uh, we came back from six or seven runs down. Yeah. And then obviously, like, you know, when I think about 18, 1989, I think about opening day and Mitch William walking the bases loaded, then striking out the side. That was crazy, you know. Do you think that, like, maybe set the tone for the uh, – because I always – you know, that's no, something no, that we that always did, remember. No, didn't set the tone. Mitch Williams made us age 20 fucking years. <laughs> I'm freezing my ass off out there. And he walked the base load and strike out the next three. It, 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 was the worst, it was the worst, greatest experience you could ever ask for. <laughs> You wasn't in left field because in left field back then, you could hear the bleacher bummer. Smitty, you suck. <laughs> How the hell you didn't catch that ball? I said, Mitch Williams ain't throwing shit. Why you ain't getting on him? So, like you said, it's like y'all community. We all came together, and I look at that picture. When I look at that picture to this day, give me that picture for a second. Yeah, that's classic. We brothers. The reason why we won in 89 because of these two. You you knew what was going you knew what Dawson was gonna give you. You knew what Sandberg was gonna give you. You knew what Mark Grace was gonna give you. You knew what Dunson was gonna give you. You didn't see me and Jerome coming. Yeah. 
You didn't see us coming. And that's what's happened to these days in, 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 the, in the day baseball. There's some guys that's hidden down there, and when they get their opportunity, they blow up. And, and he'll be my brother for life. Now, uh, I, I, have you guys always been from Atlanta? Is that where you, so how long have you guys lived 10 miles apart? That's amazing. About the last 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Matter of fact, he was in Country Lake first, and he said, he can't talk. <laughs> so I was his translator. He said, Smeezy. I said, what? He said, I got a place for you, man. It's about a nice house. <laughs> right in the same neighborhood. I said, man, I ain't fucking with you all year. <laughs> Shit. I went in there and got a good deal. I moved in with him. And the rest is history. You know, one thing I always like about you, Dwight, is you were, you know, you gave 110% every time you're on the field. You were a hustler. Like, I, I, I could still, you know, I'm, you know, 2019, I could still remember the games that you played in. And uh, you always hustled, man. You gave it 110% every time you ran down first base. You turned a double into a triple. Uh, and I always appreciate that about you. And Jerome, the 30-hit streak... Like, tell us about, did, how much pressure did you feel during that thing? Because that was a big deal at the time. Like, you know, we, we looked it up earlier today, me and Crawley did, and that hasn't happened too much, you know, uh, the 30-game hit streak. Did, did you feel pressure, or were you just taking it day by day? No, I didn't really feel no pressure. I didn't feel no pressure. I was just going out playing baseball, you know. That's something that I did every day. And I, I, I remember when I got to uh, Cincinnati, and I think Pete Rose – he was saying, Rook, you got a long ways to go. I said, what you mean? I think he had, what, 40-something? 40 and at that time, that's when I started thinking about it. You know, I said, man, 45, I'm just, I think I'm maybe 20-something at the time. But once he uh, said that, then I started thinking about it a little bit. But it wasn't no pressure because, you know, it was just baseball to me. Right. I mean, you're a young kid. How, how old are you in 1989? You're a 20, 23 years old, man, and just... In the big leagues, you know, I, I, you know what? What I want to ask you guys this: like, obviously, Wrigley Field's a shrine. Uh, you know, you guys opened up probably with one of the, you know, obviously the best baseball teams ever. What was it like playing in Wrigley Field with the fans out there? After I left, after I left Chicago, I left Chicago and I played with about five or six different teams, but. Playing in Wrigley Field, I tell anybody to this day, that was the greatest experience that I had. The fans was outstanding. And it's, it's, it's no fans, it's no fan in baseball like, like the Cubs fan. Yeah. And by, by me opening it up in Wrigley Field, missed my first fly ball, I was like, yeah, I was scared after that. Yeah. First fly ball hit to I didn't know that, but I'm going to have to go back to the tape on that. Yeah, and I had to. But you didn't miss any after that, did you? It took a while before I missed one. Yeah. And then I had to go to the park every day. Hey, man, you got a 26-game hitting streak. 27-game hitting streak. I'm three for four. They don't give a shit about me. <laughs> he, he, he getting all the hits. I'm going, but like you said, it, it, it was a collaboration. So, like, who covered more ground, you know? No, he no he did. Oh, he did. Oh, oh, Jerome did. Now, I, I ain't gonna lie to you, cause if I had a glove on my hand more than five minutes, I got a fucking rash. I can hear. Hey, and then Don Zimmer, Don Zimmer, remember he's coming with Doug DeSizzle in the seventh inning. I get the game with a hit in the seventh. Bam! 
and then I run out the left field. <laughs> And um, Don Zim would be like, Don Zim, um, does Samson coming in? I wouldn't look. <laughs> I go, fuck that. I got the game with a hit. I ain't coming out. <laughs> so, so Doug DeSimson would come in in the seventh and try to give me a high five because you remember the bullpen was right there. And the pitchers yell at me, Smitty, Zim calling you. I don't care. <laughs> I said, he didn't see that damn double I just got to win this game. <laughs> Like that, so he come in and I come back and I go right in the clubhouse. And, and, and let me tell you a little story while it's on my mind. Lee Smith, I was a setup man. His ass was asleep to the seventh inning. And then I go in and tap him. I say, Lee, it's the seventh inning. He said, go get me a point. I get in the eighth, I pinch it and get a run. And he come in and save it. Come in fucking five, five hours to get to the mound. <laughs> I'm in left field cold as hell. He walking in. <laughs> but he the only man can walk in one miles an hour and throw that shit 99 miles an hour. <laughs> hey, you know why they, you know why Don Zimmer took him out? They, they used to call him White Smith with no D because he couldn't even play defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I came in, I made a damn error. And, you know, they got your locker. They got Dwight Smith. See, this, see, that's what I'm saying. You get to hear the inner stories, the real stories. And they had Dwight Smith. And Ryan Sandberg bought his ass in early and took the D off the shit. And say, you White Smith, no D. I go, really, that helped my confidence, Ryan, or you motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then I, I went in Zimmer office. I say, how the hell I can catch the ball the first to the seventh inning? You don't think I can catch it from the seventh to the ninth? You killing me, Zimmer. <laughs> I could be wrong, and I could be going on a limb here, but was there a, a hot tub story in 1989 that you guys were involved with? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was. <laughs> But I ain't gonna collaborate on that. That's too much information. Yeah, see, see, when we came up, we ain't had no damn social media, so y'all gonna be all. Boop, 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 boop. And Dwight said this last night. I know it's true. I said, no, I'm innocent. Yeah, Mad Dog got his name for a reason, I think. Was it that day? Mad Dog got, was it Mad Dog got his name for that reason? Mad Dog came up with us and telling with the Cubs yeah. in 84. Fucking geek squad, nasty as hell. <laughs> But he can pitch. He say, Smitty, just get me a point. I'm going to win all the Cy Young. I said, okay. okay. So let me tell you the funny thing about Maddox. When we was on the team together, I'd be like, you suck. Because me and him play behind him, you know. We're like, I'll bust you. So we got to the Braves together in 95, and he saw me as Frank Trader. He threw that curveball. I said, shit. <laughs> Now, I'm going to really make y'all laugh with this one. In 94, it was a strike, right? And Scott Boris was my agent. Oh, shit. And then I was in, we was in um, Homestead, remember? Because we strike. And, and, and Boris called me. He said, man, if you didn't have a deal, you was out. So Boris called me. He said, man, Atlanta Braves want you, man. And I say, I live in Atlanta. I ain't got to pay two mortgages. But you know what I told Boris? Boris said, you're a genius. I say, my average just went up 20 points. 
He said, what do you mean, Smitty? I said, I just eliminate four fucking Cy Youngs. <laughs> Maddox, Glavin, Smokes, Avery, shit. I'm on their team. And that's how I got this. I'm smart. World Series champion over there. Yeah, he's got the hardware. That's it. Hey, I know we have some questions in the audience. Oh, you have one? Crawley. Gentleman over there in the blue shirt, Crawley. You two gentlemen got the chance to play with three Hall of Famers in 1989 when we talk about Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, and Greg Maddox. What did you guys learn from watching those three guys? How did they approach it? How are they different from everybody else? What made them stand out as Hall of Famers? Well, I learned a lot from Dawson because uh, when I first got there, I seen this big old thick book. And I'm like, man, what's in that book? He said, Jay, this is from every picture that I have faced. He said, you need to get one. I said, Hawk, I can't just sit down and write and go back and think about every pitch. He said, it will help you. So, And by seeing that book and seeing that what the body of work that he had really just put in to, to do that, I learned a lot from him about studying pitchers. And his work ethic was just outstanding, man. For him to have two bad knees, and for him to put in the work that he would put in, like in spring training, I mean, he didn't go in there and say, hey, I can't do this, I can't do that. No, he worked, even with the bad knees. So I took my most of mine from Andre Dawson. Now, all them three people that he just talked about, I know them immensely. And then you look in the mirror, and I'm going to tell you the truth. Shit, I get three hits at Los Angeles, I'm going to the club. <laughs> Man, I'm the shit that night. <laughs> I'm huge. <laughs> I come back to the hotel because, you know, in the hotel, we all on the same floor, right? You remember that? Man, Greg Maddox in they playing fucking Xbox, Nintendo. It wasn't out then. You know, this was bullshit. And he was playing. I said, man, what? You got the door open, him and smoke. I said, what you doing, man? You bored. You a geek. <laughs> he said... I'm looking at what the internet said these cats can't hit tomorrow who I'm a face. Andre Dawson, like he said, he had the book. He got the best signature in the world. Yeah. And he'd be back there and he'd tell me, Smitty, I said, man, the hell with that. I'll get him tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm 24. <laughs> and But those guys were focused. So every time I do a show like this, I make sure I reiterate that because everybody in this audience could be better than what they are. And I'm telling I'm demeanitizing me. I got nine years in the big league. I could have had maybe 12 or 13 if I'd have been like them guys. But fortunately, I had a chance to play with eight Hall of Famers. Eight. Dawson, Sandberg. Dawson, Sandberg, Maddox, Glavins. Chipper, Smokes, Bobby Cox, and, 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 and the other owner, CEO. Man, that's some special people, man. And God blessed me to be around all these guys that beat the pinnacle. Let me tell you what my biggest talent was. My biggest talent is I was never jealous, even of him. He beat me. 
So I, I took shit from him. I said, man, I want to know how he beat me because I'm going to beat his ass the next time. And I look at all these guys, and these guys got something in common. They was focused. They went to every city. They fucking stayed in their rooms. They bust your ass every night. And I'm proud of them. And that's what I tell the young kids. It's the one that's focused. We all can do what we want to do. We can't see in that mirror when we don't do right. But I wouldn't come to Chicago if you left the night and said, Jerome and Dwight was here and I didn't get nothing out of it. We didn't do shit. <laughs> I want you to say that they were honest and we got something out of this. And we commended this young man for making it happen because there's special people in the world. It's more than just the big leaguers. Look at this. He got better seats in my house than me and shit. My wife put me out. I'm on the damn floor <laughs> with two pillars and a damn thing. I'm propping up just to stick it. You talked to my son the wrong way. <laughs> then I said, where the fuck your son at now? In the big league. That's it. So, guys, um, I'm going to turn 40 this year. So I was 10 in 1989. And the game I remember is I got home from school and turned on the Cubs. And you guys were down 8-1 to one against the Houston Astros in August at Wrigley. You guys came back and won 10-9. to nine. Can both of you tell me a little more about how that game was for you and just it was an amazing game to watch and that's where I really became a Cub fan for life so can you talk a little bit about if you remember it yeah I remember Andre Dawson got hurt he was getting our ass kicked and I was on the bench said Smitty go in I got the two hits that tied it and that won it and that won it and came back on August the 12th I tell you Dawson I'm glad let your knees still hurt motherfucker I'm gonna come back (laughs) And that's what I remembered about it. I'm just curious how close you two are in age. Well, I'm, well, I'm 55, and he's probably 53. And that's why I was pissed. He came in and beat me to the big league. I remember him leaving on the damn plane. He like, Smitty, you going to be that Smitty? I go, let, 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 let me tell you, that's what I'm saying. The special thing, I had a red Celica convertible. He ain't had shit out in spring training. He had his girlfriends out there. He said, Smizzy, can I use your car? <laughs> he dropped the fucking top. He gone. <laughs> I said, hell no. He asked me the next time. I said, hell no. <laughs> you ain't using my car. But he, 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 he did a great job early. And that's why we won it. And we jail and especially Don Zimmer, God bless his soul, was like a father to both of us. He told us real. We come in the clubhouse and he said, um, he said, he told me, because I played center field every day because I could run in, in the minor leagues. And he said, he said, Jerome in center and Walt and then Hawk in the right. He said, but I want you in the big league. He said, can you play left? I said, you can bet your ass. I can't. He said, you can play center in, in Iowa or left in the big league. I said, that's an easy, that's an easy job. But we, we, we won it, man, and we bought some special stuff to y'all. And just to come back and see it while we're living, to see what we made a difference in, that's it's, it's priceless. 
Did Jason? No. Why can't Jason Hayward hit the ball? Can you answer that question? I mean, gee, the guy is such a athlete, and he can't seem to hit the ball. I thought he just hit a home run there. I just saw it. But um, how about uh, you guys? Uh, you know, one of the reason why Club 400 exists today is because I I fell in love with Harry Carey, the announcer. I, did you guys ever party with Harry Carey on Rush Street at any times, or did? did yeah. Yeah, I'll tell ya. <laughs> Snitty, you all right straight. We play at 120. You leaving at 2 o'clock. That's not going to work, Smitty. And I tell you, then, then he would dog us. Do you remember he'd be out of liquor? And then he'd get on the charter flight. He'd come all the way to the back. My grace. I know you got some of that vodka. Can I get some? I go, hell no. We ain't giving him nothing. He dogging us on WGN. Because if you remember, WGN and TBS was the only one on TV then. We didn't have social media. So we had Harry Carey. If you notice, Harry Carey in the first three innings was perfect. Fourth, fifth, sixth, it was a radio. When he come back in the seventh, I'll tell ya. <laughs> it's over. It's over. Then he dogged me like my grandmama. My grandmama don't know shit about baseball. And Harry Carey saying, well, Dwight Smith ain't hitting the ball the other way. He is not doing it. So I called my grandmama. I'm struggling. I'm about one for 20. That's what I sung the anthem. <laughs> and I said, Grandma, how you doing today? Well, Harry Carey said you ain't hitting shit. <laughs> 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 well, I tell us that Harry Carey can't hit shit either. <laughs> you know, he just commentating. So, so I'll be like, okay, I think she had a thing for Harry Carey because I brought her to the game. <laughs> Harry Carey's sitting there. This is my grandma. My grandma's like, hey, Harry. <laughs> I said, damn, grandma. Wait a minute. Don't do grandpa like that. <laughs> but that was the fun thing. We had fun, guys. Any question? Any other questions out there from Club Four Hundred? Anybody? Uh oh, we got one over here. All right, you guys have been roommates that whole first season together. There had been some sort of communication where I've got the room tonight and you don't. Say it again. Say it again. Did you have any kind of communication where you'd be telling someone, maybe you would have sock on the doorknob or something, it's my no, room tonight. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that none of y'all know that is perfect for this guy. That is fucking perfect for this guy. And I'm, going, I'm the only one in the world can reveal this. Let me tell y'all something. First of all, he do not drink. He do not do any fucking thing. Diet Coke, ask the thing, Diet Coke, right? He don't do anything. I said, how in the fuck somebody drank Coke and go out all right and be coming to 3 o'clock in the morning? I was a roommate. I'm drinking at 11. I'm in the bed. This son of a bitch out at 4 o'clock in the morning. Ain't drink nothing. I said, figure this shit out. This guy's sober. And then I, I, try, I tried it for about a week. I say, I'm going to be like my roommate. I ain't going out and I ain't drinking. I went over 20. Fuck this shit. <laughs> I said, I got to get a shot just to ease the pain. This guy went through his whole career, and I'm proud of that. Didn't drink. Didn't do shit. But he, he went out. 
that goddamn, that damn shit Rick was happy to him. I say, man, at least give me an excuse. At least I could tell Don Zimmer, damn, I had too many cognacs. And I, I didn't see, I didn't have an Uber cab back then. So you had to drive that shit by yourself. I'm in a 500 bins going, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. So that's the real thing. Go ahead. Uh, it, been some, it was some nights that you locked me out, too. Yeah. yeah. It was some nights you locked me out. Yeah. I had to stay down in the lobby or something to about two, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning because we had a visitor, so I couldn't get in the room, so yeah. he put me out. No, because I asked him, I said, you going out? He said, yeah, I'll be back in at 2. I just got my business in the room because I ain't got no money to pay for no other room. <laughs> he come in. Man, go back down to the lobby, man. We can be <laughs> I'm over <old for> 20. <laughs> I need to hit the bar. Oh, I'm going to jump. And then when they put us in the hotel, they put us on the 15th floor. I'm over 20. Harry Carrington and everybody. You know how they got the windows? They got them locked. I'm at the window like this. <laughs> 15 flows up, I'm gonna jump. I got a briefcase full of fucking money. I'm still gonna jump. Because I'm over 20. And Harry can't tell the world I suck. <laughs> so that's a hard life. The night you guys clinched the division in Montreal, that had to be a party. I mean, Montreal is like one of the biggest party towns of all time. Um, and you guys, at that time, you know, the Cubs kind of got big because of 84. They obviously lost. So 89 was the, you know, the first time the Cubs felt it again. You know, I remember I watched a video the other day of you guys clinching with uh, Mitch Williams on the mound and Wrigley Field going crazy. And I remember you, Jerome. Uh, I, I remember going to autograph signing with you uh, at uh, Grand Slam USA, man. It, it was just the fans were just going crazy that year, and it was it was unbelievable. Tell us about the clinching night in Montreal. What the, I mean, any crazy stories from that night? I don't think we did anything crazy that night. I think, uh, you know, we had fun on the field. Once we, once we clinched, we all, you know, jumped around. We're happy about, you know, on the field and stuff. And once we went in the clubhouse. But I don't think we did nothing crazy because we know we had something else to take care of, you know. So... It, the season wasn't, wasn't over, and we knew we had our eyes set on trying to get to the World Series. So uh, it wasn't nothing that we really did, you know, that was crazy. Gotcha. Any other questions? Yeah, out there? Yes, it was. The he crowd's lied. getting kind of wild back there. He, he lied. He oh, lied. shit. He lied. That was the first time I ain't never went to a strip club in my life. <laughs> and Rick Sutcliffe bought up the whole fucking shape for Reed. And I was in there, he said, Smitty, just get a hundred ones. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? We won the championship. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like a little kid. Like, man, I ain't supposed to be in here. <laughs> he said, man, enjoy. So that's the, that's the truth. We, it, the, yeah, the Shaperie was like t- five minutes walk from where we was at. Me and Jerome went back. Yeah, we went back to the hotel. I was like, man, we too young for this shit. You know what I mean? We were babies. We just won. But I said, I appreciate it. He said, y'all, come on, rookies. So so don't tell Sutcliffe if you got it here. But I told his lie. He, he, he bought out the whole damn club for the whole damn team. That was about fucking 100 grand. 
Well, that's what I'm talking about, Dwight. Like Montreal, famous party town, famous strip clubs. That's what I had to ask. Uh, any other questions out there? The crowd's getting rowdy in the back. Hey, tonight we're going to have a band play. You guys, you guys got to stick around and hear the band. We got Danny Rocket and the Bleacher Bums. But one more thing. I said, like, these guys flew out on a plane just to come here to Club 400. Let's give it up for Jerome Walton and Dwight Smith. Legends, cup legends, man. I'll tell you what. Thank you, guys. It means the world to me. You guys will forever be a part of Club 400, and we'd love to have you back down the line, and we'll raise some money for charity. I want to thank you guys so much, man. So. Thank you for having And let's go, Cubbies. We, we're only in the damn bottom of the sixth inning, and we got, we got a lot of cognac, so we're ready to party. Now, before I leave, please don't forget... To congratulate this guy who bring all of us in, Rizzo, anybody you can imagine, Dawson, thing, and he bring them into your neighborhood, guys. That is not done nowhere in the world. Let me tell you, I done been around the world. I done been every fucking where. I ain't never seen no baby like this. I'm, I'm going to buy his ass out. And, and, and then his wife going to kill me. But but this is beautiful, and this is what it's all about. That's what life's all about. You only got one life. And when you can go and, 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 and go to bed and say, I made so many people alive because of what I did, that's priceless. And then he don't understand that. He want to just keep putting it on and putting it on and not get the thing. I want to stop. And every one of you fucking guys should tell him on the way out, thank you, Stu. Cub fans helping Cub fans. We are a family. They're now a part of it. The party's not over. We're going to have a great time tonight. And thank you guys for Club 400 does not exist without you guys, okay? I would not be able to fulfill my dream without the support and love from you guys. And it, as I say, it's, it's us, man. It's all about us. And that's what I wanted to convey to you earlier, man. Think of me as an insurance policy because, God, I hope nothing ever happens to anyone here, but you can count on me and everybody in this room to rock and roll and gather and help you guys, help your family out. So I'm blessed. I, I really am. And, uh, William, another, another great show. Let's get some runs. Let's get some runs. Thanks a lot, guys. One more time. Drum Walton, Dwight Smith. Let's party.